You guys can grab a seat. Father God, we just want to thank you for the truth of that song. We thank you for uh, your love that is so deep. I just pray, God, that we could encounter it this morning as we open up your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, share with somebody next to you a pet peeve of yours, all right? Chewing with your mouth open, these kinds of things, all right? So go ahead, share with somebody next to you. Wow, you guys have a lot of pet peeves, sounds like. All right, I'm going to keep it real today. See what I did there? Okay, lame jokes. Hopefully that's not your pet peeve. But uh, all right, so one of my pet peeves is cheesy t-shirts, all right? Cheesy t-shirts, cheesy graphic tees. I'm sorry if you're wearing one today. I can still love you. Uh, But especially Christian cheesy t-shirts, those are like my uh, biggest pet peeve. And uh, I could go through it, like some examples, but again, in case you own one, I don't want to uh, out you right now. Uh, but you'll never find me in a cheesy t-shirt, at least not on purpose. You might say, well, that t-shirt's cheesy. Uh, but you know the ones with the phrases, the play on words, the Abercrombie and Fish, Fish, you know, kind of t-shirts. Um, never been my thing. But I actually found a few of these cheesy Christian t-shirts this past week that I like, that I wanted to share. I still won't wear one, but uh, so don't buy me one of these, but... These are the best that I found, the most witty, creative. All right, so there's one. YOLO, you only live once. Psych, right? Okay, you guys, all right. You're going to have to do better, right, because I'm going to need some laughter and some participation. Fear the beard, right? Some of you can, like, you can participate because you can get some good beards going. It's like, that's right. Look like Jesus, they say, and so you get the, the thick beard. All right, fear the beard. BRB, the best is the stance, though. Like, I'm coming back, right? I'm coming back. BRB. I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. Some of you are like, yep, you know. (laughs) Just a little, though, just a little. This is my favorite. Jesus first, and then close second, bacon, all right? Bacon is next on the list, so I love me some bacon. Bacon lovers, let me hear a little amen. Any bacon lovers? All right. All right, so the question that we're really framing up today is, what is it that distinguishes us as followers of Jesus? It's not Christian t-shirts, right? Christian, you can wear Christian t-shirts, that's cool. It's not uh, bumper stickers, right? It's not if you have a fish on the back of your van. It's not um, if you have, you know, a lot of verses that you could quote off the top of your head. Um, it's not uh, the amount of scripture that you have in your Instagram bio or whatever it may be, how many times you post scripture a week. These aren't the things that really distinguish us as followers of Jesus. So what is it? What is the best evidence uh, for being a follower of Jesus? And those are all fine and good, but here's the thing that John, uh, that in John, Jesus tells us will distinguish us as followers of Jesus. And hopefully you know this verse if you've been around here any length of time. It says this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you, anyone? Love, right? If you love one another. 
And so this is the marking thing um, that really sets us apart. This is the thing that makes us special as a community. And I'm not just talking about as our community here, but as the collective community of Jesus. This is the thing that we should be identified by. They will know that you are Christians by your love. So this morning what I want to do is I want to replay a message I did for Project 215 on real love and really ask the question, all right, if that's the thing that we should be known for, if that's the thing that should really set us apart, what does that kind of love look like? And so if you would, you can go ahead and turn with me uh, to 1 Corinthians 13. That's where we're going to be spending some time today. Because I think that this word can get diluted, right? This is a word that we throw around a lot, this word love. And so when the Bible tells us that they will know that you're Christians by your love, what we really want to frame up is, what does that kind of love look like? And so here in 1 Corinthians 13, it says this, and this is Paul writing to the Corinthians. He says, listen, I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy It does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And if you hear that scripture and then you sort of use that as a filter of, hey, how is my own life look? I I know that is a challenging scripture, and I'll be the first to admit, man, if I really looked down the list there, how many of those things do I actually possess? And so today, I want to look at how can we more properly resemble Jesus um, by loving one another. And so the, the first thing that we do is, the first thing that love does is love listens. Love listens. We're in the stage with my youngest son right now um, where he's, he's coming up on two. He's now graduated from crying when he needs something to actually screaming. Like screaming, like I talk about. And for such a little dude, the amount of volume that he can produce just blows my mind. I'm like, how can you even make that sound? Not only how can you make that sound, but how can you keep that sound going? And I'm not even going to try to recreate it because you all be like, okay, too much, right? And it has this ability to be just the most unnerving thing. And he has the ability to do it in the most inconvenient times, right? Like, for example, in the car when you can't escape. And if he needs something, no longer is he crying, but he is going to scream. You may from time to time hear him doing that very thing in the nursery. He's like, I'm getting out of here, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. So just the deepest, most gut-wrenching scream you can ever imagine. And again, the worst time is the car, because you're like, i, I got to get out. How do I get out of here? And um, the Bible tells us here in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, Paul tells us, he says, listen, if you speak in the tongues of men or of angels, all right, you could be speaking in the tongues of men or of angels, but if you do not have love, you're only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, right? You're only this screeching sound that is just too tough to stomach. And so if we don't have love, we're just that unnerving kind of noise. And that's why love 
begins when we listen. For some of us, this is not what we do. This is not our first instinct, right? And I'll just be the first to admit that my wife is way better at this than me, all right? Though she often wants me to listen, here's my first this instinct is I'm going to fix this, right? She could sit down with me and she's like, Josh, I just I had a rough week, da 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 all these things. Again, see, great at listening. So I'm like, all right, and in my mind, I'm already thinking like, okay, how can we fix this? Like, we're going we're gonna to fix it, right? Like, and I, I'll tell her then after she's done sharing her heart with me, I'll be like, all right, here's how I think we could fix this, right? And she, that's not ladies, right? That's not what she wants in that moment. What does she want in that moment? She wants me to listen, right? She wants me to listen. And so, but I'm like, here's how we could fix this. But real love listens first. And the Bible tells us in James chapter 1, it says, He chose to give us a birth through the word of truth, that we might be a, fir- a kind of first fruits of all he created. And so it talks about the fact that we have been given this truth. But then he says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires and so as those entrusted with God's word he says be quick to listen slow to speak slow to become angry but isn't it sort of the opposite culturally right don't we often do the opposite isn't our instinct to often do the opposite of that which is to see hey I'm going to be quick to speak right slow to listen and quick to get angry. This is typically the response culturally that we're faced with. And so we have to make a decision. Are we going to follow the way of Jesus and be quick to listen? Or are we going to be quick to just say, hey, i got to weigh in on this one, right? I haven't really thought it out. I haven't really fully understood the situation here. But let me just weigh in on this topic, right? And typically this is what we do. But I'll be honest with you, and this is, this is me. My ears have gotten me in a whole lot less trouble than my mouth. Anybody agree with that? Some of you are like, yeah, you're nudging somebody next to you, right? I agree with the Greek philosopher who said, we have two ears and one mouth so that we can listen twice as much as we speak, right? We can listen twice as much as we speak. And what I hope is that, and we've, we, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to, to talk about this topic today is because I feel like I've just seen this embodied, especially over the last several weeks of our church. I've seen these characteristics of love really embodied here. And I hope that we continue to possess those things in increasing measure. And when people walk through the doors of Axis Church, I hope what they think to themselves is not that, man, wow, they just talked at me today. Instead, they talked with me and that Axis Church is really a place where I can be heard, right? And I feel like this is a group of people that really seeks to understand others, seeks to listen. And we've got to continue to strive to do that to be quick to listen. The other thing that we see here in the definition of love is that true love accepts. True love accepts. It takes me back to my days as a kid when I first moved on to the street of Mesa Place, right? And this is, I'll show you a picture. This was my gang back at Mesa Place. Check out the, check out the muscles, you know, and the ribs poking out there. And that's Rob on the end. He's got a pretty sharp bull cut, doesn't he? Like that bull cut is like right on point. I, anybody think he should bring it back? Like I think, I think he might maybe should bring it back. I'm just jealous. This is the truth. And the truth is with that group of people, um, when I moved on to Mesa Place, uh, what I loved was these guys invited me into their squad, right? I got to be part of the squad. And uh, I was weird. That's the truth. You know, I'm the one with kind of the weird flex going where I'm like, I don't know how to flex. Like, I, I don't even, is this flexing? Okay, cool. I, 
maybe ready to fight somebody. But I was sort of like the weirdo, but they took me in anyway. And the truth is we realized we're all pretty much weirdos. And, uh, and, and that was one of the beautiful uh, parts of our friendship uh, with this group of people. And acceptance is one of those words where it's diluted in our society. And one way we see it is, we see it as, and, and it's often stated this way, is it's a setting aside of our differences, right? If we just set our differences aside, that's what acceptance really looks like. And so, you know, I have this idea or this thought that conflicts with your idea or your thought about something, or I have something that is characteristic about me that you're totally different in. And so when we come together in a relationship, we just set you set yourself over there, I set myself over there, and we sort of don't talk about those things, and we just coexist together, right? But that's a diluted version of acceptance. Instead, what we see when it comes to love and acceptance is that I don't have to set aside my differences. I can disagree with you on things even, and we can still love one another. We can still care for one another. You don't have to think the way that I think about everything. You don't have to do things exactly the way that I do things because that's not how acceptance works. You see, love defies our differences. Love is bigger than our differences. Love crosses over age barriers. Love breaks down cultural barriers. Love triumphs over ideological differences. I read this book uh, by a lady named Brene Brown. It's called Braving the Wilderness, and it speaks to this subject quite well. It says that we've sorted ourselves into factions based on our politics and ideology. We've turned away from one another and toward blame and rage. We're lonely and untethered and scared. But rather than coming together and sharing our experiences through song and story, we're screaming at one another from further and further away. Rather than dancing and praying together, we're running from one another. Rather than pitching wild and innovative new ideas that could potentially change everything, we're staying quiet and small in our bunkers and loud in our echo chambers. What would it look like if we allowed love to defy our differences? And she follows up with this challenge in her book. She says, listen, it's hard to hate up close, so move in. If you want to see how love can defy differences, get closer, right? Get closer, move closer to someone so that you might fully understand them because love defies our differences. And we see this at work in the New Testament, the early church. We see 12 Jewish guys being sent to a primary Gentile population to a people that they had very little in common with. In fact, traditionally, they didn't even associate with one another. But the gospel break beyond, broke beyond this cultural barrier. And Paul, a former Jew, sent to the Gentiles, he says this. He says, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, or free. And he makes this statement. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. What would it look like if we started to see Christ in one another? What would it look like if rather than seeing these differences, we could see that thing that holds us together that we have in common, and that is that we are the image bearers of God? What if the first thing that you saw when you looked, even to that person that you disagree with, that you're constantly in disagreement with, that you might have the ability to debate from time to time, what if you had the ability to see beyond those differences and actually see God in them. So I feel like that's a game changer. 
And I hope that as we continue to create an environment here where there's this constant message, and that's, hey, there's always more room in our squad. There's always more room here. You might not see things exactly the way we see things, but we want you to belong with us. We might be a bit dysfunctional, a bit broken, a bit weird, but there's always room for more. Because love does that. Love accepts. The other thing that love does is love elevates. Love elevates. When love is truly at work, it takes us to a new level, right? It takes us to a new level. And one of the best evidences of love at work is that the people around us are getting better, right? They're growing closer and closer to Jesus. And so we have this ability to take each other to a new level when we are loving one another. One of my favorite groups of people is my CrossFit Mason uh, fam and uh, my, my Fit fam, as we often call them. Um, but one of the things that, that we see at work over there is that we can accomplish a whole lot more together than we can apart. And I've seen people that have been just faced uh, challenges physically, the things that they couldn't do. And then because they've had the support of people walking alongside them, um, they have the ability to do things that they never thought that they could accomplish, right? And it's such a cool environment because we get to sweat it out together. We get to struggle together. And uh, one of the workouts, actually this picture was taken at a workout that we did that we're going to be doing here around Memorial Day, uh, so next week. And uh, it's called the Murph. And what you do is you run a mile, you do 100 pull-ups, you do 200 push-ups, you do 300 squats, and then you run another mile. And if you're crazy enough, you throw on like 20-pound vests and you do it all out in the hot sun. And uh, it's, it's, it's awesome because it really, if it sounds like a struggle, it's because it is a struggle. And if it sounds like you want to puke, you do want to puke, right? But what gets you through that workout and what gets you to the finish line is having other people around you. They're like, come on, you got this. Let's do this. And it has this ability to elevate everyone as we struggle alongside each other. And my favorite part is always at the end of the workout, what ends up happening, there's a few people that have taken a little bit longer, and uh, they're still out running. And people that finish will then go out and run an extra mile so that they can run those people back to the finish line, right? Get those people to the finish line. And I just feel like this is such a great picture of what it looks like when we, when we elevate one another, when we help each other to go further than we could on our own, right? Is that we have this ability to go run alongside someone else. We got these t-shirts last fall that say stronger than yesterday on them. And I believe that that phrase really captures the heart of it. The truth is without these people that wouldn't be possible, and what I want to tell you is the only way that we become stronger than yesterday is to surround ourselves with the right kind of people today, right? People that are going to elevate us, that are going to love us enough, enough to say, I want you to go further. I want you to be stronger, right? And I'm not just talking about my fit fam now. I'm talking about my faith fam, right? We need a faith fam. Why do we think that we can get by without it in our own faith? And, you know, maybe even come in here on the weekends and you're like, cool, I kind of do the Sunday thing. But for the most part, I don't have people that I'm down in the trenches with, that, I'm, that I'm, I'm, I'm working through the struggle of everyday life with. It's important that we surround ourselves with people that are going to take us further, right, that are going to stretch us, that are going to push us, that aren't just going to tell us exactly what we want to hear, but are going to love us enough to say, hey, I know what you're made of. I, I can see what is possible in your life. Trust me on this. And we have this ability to push one another uh, beyond the struggle. 
1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8 says this. It says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present and the life to come. So you want evidence of love? Are the people around you spiritually stronger because you're in their life? And do you have people in your life that you know, you know what? I'm spiritually stronger because those people are in my life. Who do you have that makes you spiritually stronger than yesterday? Who are you helping to grow spiritually stronger than yesterday? If you want to be stronger than yesterday, I have to surround myself with the right kind of people today. Hebrews 10, 23-25 says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And then it says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Love that visual, just spurring one another on. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. Real love does just that. It helps one another grow stronger than yesterday. It elevates those around us. And real love, real love responds. Real love responds. Love is an action word. It's not just this feeling that we have about somebody. It's not just this feeling that we have about something. Love is more than that. Love is an action. It's an active decision that we make over and over again. And this is also how we love one another well. I told you I have... um, Many of you know I have two boys, and uh, what's been fun is uh, Eli starts to get a little bit older. There they are, um, and uh, is that they now have this bond that like is just such a cool thing to see. Now they they're brothers, right? There'll be a moment where in one moment Aiden will be lifting Eli up onto the couch, the next moment he'll be kicking him off of the couch. But this is just how it goes, right? But at the end of the day, they just love each other so much. And uh, there was a moment uh, several months ago now that I just, it, it just absolutely like wrecked my heart to see because it was just such a cool moment, such a proud dad kind of a moment. And Aiden was up like on the mantle, which is too tall for him, well out of his reach. And he's trying to get like the remote. A lot of times we'll put like our little Apple remote up there so that they're not constantly changing. But now they figure out how to get it, you know. So he's up there trying to get the remote and he he knocks the remote down as well as something else that's on the mantle that just smacks him in the head on the way down. And so he's just tears, he's crying, he's a mess. And so Eli sees all this unfolding, right? Again, less than two years old. He just has this instinct already. He goes up to his brother and he just, he like grabs him and like leans his head on him, like lays his head on his shoulder. And that was cool enough. But then he walks away from bro and he goes over to the mantle and he goes, eh, 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 eh. And then he like walks away like, yeah, like don't, don't be messing with my bro, right? You don't get to do that to my bro, like just sticking it to the mantle, which I love, you know? And that's how it should be, right? We should be advocating for one another. We should be actively showing up. And it was like in that moment, he's saying, I got you, bro. I got you, right? And that's how we exist as a community to say, I got you, right? I got you. And when things are difficult, I'm going to show up for you. When you need somebody to come alongside you, I'm going to be there for you, right? And I think it takes all of us doing what we've been doing over the the course of the past several weeks and you guys have been doing so well and that's to show up right i don't think any of us if we're really a part of this faith family should be a no-show right 
It takes all of us showing up because some of you are going to have closer connections with, with some people than others. And so how do you, within those groups of people, continue to show up for one another? Because love shows up. That's one of the things I've honestly always loved about Axis is it's like the Axis people just kind of roll deep. They're always like, wow, there's this like, these are all Axis people. I'll go to parties or I'll go to things. They're like, yeah, look at all these Axis people here, right? And I love that. And I would say that's what we need to continue to do. When things are good, we, the Bible says that rejoice with those who rejoice. We go and we celebrate with you when things are going well, right? We should be celebrating with one another and showing up for one another. When we go through something extremely difficult like we've been going through uh, the past several months, we, we, we come alongside each other. We comfort one another. The Bible says mourn with those who mourn, right? And that seems easier said than done. The truth is, is sometimes it's difficult, right? Because sometimes you're not in the mood to rejoice, but your brother over here has something to rejoice about. Maybe it's somebody at work and they're like, they just got the very promotion that you were hoping to get. And so how do you rejoice with that person, right? So it's not always easy. Maybe you're going through just a really happy season of life, and, but the Bible calls you to step aside for just a second in that moment and, and, and get down with somebody uh, that is mourning, that's, that's facing something really difficult. And the truth is, it's rarely convenient. It's rarely convenient. Love is rarely convenient. Love means giving something up, right? Love always comes with a cost when we respond, right? And maybe that's the cost is your schedule. Maybe that cost is something much bigger than that. But love comes with a cost. But none of us have an excuse to be no-shows in one another's lives. We've got to continue to show up because love responds. A great picture of this in the Old Testament is David and Jonathan. They, the Bible talks about their friendship, this bond that they had, how they loved one another as brothers. And David was going to one day be the king, and Jonathan, his dad, was currently the king. And so there was this weird dynamic that existed, but it didn't keep those two guys from really being brothers um, in a very unique way. And there's one particular time in David's life where Saul continues to get jealous of David and wants to kill him. He thinks that's the solution. And so David's on the run out in the wilderness, and you see Jonathan. What does Jonathan do, right? Again, this is his dad that we're talking about. Jonathan stays in the palace. He lives in the comforts of the palace, right? But he doesn't stay in the palace when his brother's in trouble. Instead, he goes out into the wilderness with his brother. He leaves the comforts of the palace, and he goes and he shows up for his brother to warn him of the danger that is coming his way. And so he puts his own life at risk in order to protect his friend David. And that's what love does. It shows up. It doesn't settle into the, the comforts of the palace. It goes out into the wilderness. When our friends are in the wilderness, it actually makes an effort to, to step out in those kinds of ways. That's what love does. It responds. And we just saw this definition. We just unpacked this definition in 1 Corinthians 13 about what love is. And as we read this, what I want to say to you is, the truth is, all of us do these things okay on our own, maybe. But without Jesus, we don't have the ability to really possess true love in our lives. He is the source of love. The Bible tells us that God is love. And so what I'm telling you today is not, hey, try harder on this stuff. 
do a little bit better on this stuff. What I'm telling you is be so filled with the love of God that these things just naturally flow from you. The more deeply embedded the love of God is in your own life, the more it will flow from you into the lives of other people. And so I'm not saying try harder. I'm saying know God's love more and know where it is that love comes from. God is love. And so in light of that, let me read 1 Corinthians 13 again. Substituting God in the place of love. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. God is not rude or self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but he rejoices with the truth. God always protects. God always trusts. God always hopes. God always perseveres. God never fails. That's our God, and that's the truest form of love that we know. If you forget what love looks like, all you need to do is look to Jesus. Because God is love. Jesus is the truest expression of what love is. He is a God that, and Jesus chose us, that he is a God that listens and hears us, right? And so if you're in a season today, you're like, you know what? I'm going through this difficult thing, or I just don't feel like I'm being heard right now. Pick up the Psalms, and look how David just pours out his heart to God in the Psalms in life's difficult moments. And know that despite the way that it feels, God is listening, God hears your prayers. And so he's a God that listens and hears out of love. He's a God that accepts us as we are. And so if you're in here today, and you're like, you know what, I just came because so-and-so invited me. But the truth is, like, I don't belong here. My life is a mess. Like, I I don't have it all together. I can't know this kind of love. But the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus accepts us as we are. We can't get there on our own. He accepts us as we are. He was known for being at the table of sinners, right? Loving people right where they're at. And so we know that love looks like that, that accepts us as we are. Thankfully, love doesn't leave us as we are, though. Instead, Jesus elevates us to who we were created to be. He helps us to transform our lives into the people that he has created us to be. And by his power, we can experience that kind of life. And love responds. God responds in love by putting on flesh, living among humanity, showing up with hope. And healing, being brutalized, beaten, and murdered in our place. He took the penalty that we deserved on himself. When we least deserved it, when we rejected him, when we spit in his face, when we decided that we wanted to live life totally contrary to the, the way of Jesus. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So Jesus shows up in that kind of way. He responds. 1 John 3, 16 through 18 really captures this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And so we ought to lay down our life for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in that person? And it gives us this challenge. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. 
That, my friends, is real love. And again, we have the greatest capacity for it when we are most filled with its source, when Jesus has most embedded himself in our hearts and our lives. And we have a love like that, kind of love never fails. Never fails. May that always be our default. And so this morning, as we talk about real love, I have two invitations, two challenges. The first is this, receive it. If you've never received that kind of love, or if you've only half-heartedly received that kind of love, I want to invite you to receive it. The beauty of the gospel is that any one of us can receive the gift. It is just that. It is a gift. But we've got to actually take the steps to receive it. We've got to believe in it, right? We've got to believe in Jesus and, and what he did for us. We've got to repent of the life that we once lived, saying, God, you have such a better life in store for us. You want to elevate my life to something more. And so we repent and we confess that, Jesus, you're the king of the universe. You are Lord. And we're baptized into this committed relationship with Jesus. And some of us need to make that kind of decision so that we can fully be filled with the love of God that is unlike any other. And the rest of us have this responsibility that if that kind of love is that great, that we have this responsibility to continue to spread it out everywhere that we go. To allow that love to be so deeply rooted in us and flow from us. And so let me just challenge you, church, may we continue to be the kind of church that is ripe with God's love. Because his love never fails. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for the truth of the gospel. I never get tired of talking about it. I pray that we never will get tired of hearing about it. That you came down into our world to save sinners like me. I'm so grateful for that truth. I'm so in need of that kind of love. So God, I just pray that you would continue to wreck our hearts, God, that we might desire you above all else, that, that your love would be the thing that we want above all else, God. If there's ways that we're resisting you or areas of our life where we're not allowing that love to penetrate, God, I just pray that you would. I pray that we could bring down those barriers, God, so that we could fully experience the greatness of your love. And God, I pray that this would be a place where it is just so evident that there's a group of people in Mason, Ohio that love each other in the biblical sense of love, and they love the people around them. Lord Jesus, that's what we want to be known for. But we can't do it without your help. We ask that you would give us strength and courage to continue to spread your love as we go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.